0: Now, let's go to the Mark chapter five. Mark is a book of action. I love that book because it talks a lot about what Jesus did, talks about what he said as well. But it talks more about what he did. And the Bible is good news. What Jesus did was good news. What he did in Mark chapter five. What I'm going to read to you in a minute was good news. So let's go over there. Mark, chapter five, Mark, chapter five. Now, we just finished off last week with Jesus taking care of the demoniac. All right. And I said to you last week that all of us have a little characteristic of the demoniac in us before we came to Jesus. There was always something in you. There was such a multiplicity of things going on in your life. And it had you act out of character many times. And this guy had more than a thousand demons in him. We Found out that a legion was anywhere from three thousand to as much as twelve thousand in a Roman military platoon. So you got to know that demons can live On the inside and can open up the door for other demons to live with inside of that. And the reason I see that is because they're spiritual. You can stuff a whole lot of stuff when spiritual into a small little box because it's all spiritual and they're all personalities and things of that nature. And so Jesus dealt with this man. But what was interesting in the fact Jesus dealt with the demoniac, there was something left in that man that wanted to be healed. The demons showed up in the first part of it and talked to Jesus. At the end, we found that the man was in his right mind, and he talked to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus told him, no, you can't come. You need to stay here, and you need to witness to your country and your family of what great things God has done for you. And I think it was appropriate for Jesus to leave him there because he had wreaked so much havoc in that town, in that community, that God wanted people to see that restoration has already begun. I mean, this guy had the whole town paralyzed. Nobody could even get in. And yet we find that Jesus walked right to the toughest part of the town, went directly to the demoniac, and from a distance, the Bible says, Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, come out of the man. And when he got there, the demons cried out to him and basically told him, he said, who are you? Are you come to, you come to torment us before our time? He said, we know who you are. You're the son of the most high God. So the demons were talking. And so Jesus knew that. And so long story short, he took the demons and rid them from the man, send them into the swine. The swine ran down the side of a hill and they drowned in the waters below. Right. You see, so we know that demons can live in animals because if you could be sent to a pig, you can live in anything. But all of those pigs died that day. So let's take a look at what Jesus is doing now. So immediately after all of that, Mark, chapter five, verse 21. Now, if any of you are in this room today and you don't believe in healing, listen up. I want you to listen because you're going to have to argue with the Bible and you're going to have to have fact to come against what you're going to hear today. A lot of people think that Jesus was the only one that could heal. And then they thought, well, the apostles were also the only ones could heal because Jesus gave them healing power. And why I was saying Matthew, because I haven't gone there yet, but I'm going to show you something in Matthew that actually solidifies what I'm saying. If Jesus healed people and he gave the apostles the power to heal people then you and I have that same power. Now, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. All right, now watch this. Verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered about him and he stayed by the seashore. And verse 22 says, and one of the synagogue officials, his name was Jairus, came up, Upon him, seeing him, fell at his feet. So, you know, the man was in desperation. He saw Jesus. He ran up to him and he fell at his feet. There's something to say about being at the feet of God. What it says to me that this man was at his end and whatever it is that he needed, it was so desperate that it wanted him to be humble. And that he came to Jesus and he bowed down and fell at his feet in humility now humility sets the stage for great things to happen Amen. when a person is humble the bible talks about god gives grace to the humble yes. see and the proud he, he rejects them but he gives more grace to the humble so right off the bat the band had god's attention because he was in a bowed position and he was at the feet of jesus you got to think about your life circumstance situation that you're in right now we need to get to the feet of Jesus. We need to bow our hearts in humility. We can't be arrogant and pompous and puffed up about things that we're experiencing in our life right now as though we're in control. At some point, you're going to have to realize that the way up is down. You've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So the situation is he's at this guy's feet. Right. So he had a desperate request. And verse twenty three. And entreating him, which is a stronger word for asking and begging almost, entreated him earnestly saying, Listen, my little girl is at the point of death. Now, how he knew that? Because the circumstances showed him that this girl was dying. And he said, She's at the point of death. And so he felt so urgent that he had to get to Jesus because somewhere along the line he'd heard that Jesus was healing folks. He'd been through the town, the community. He just came from healing the demoniac. He'd done some other healing. So it was spread abroad. It said that his fame went out through all the district. So when he heard Jesus was near, remember, Jesus is down at the seashore. So he came down and said, my little girl is at the point of death. And then he says, please come and lay your hands on her that she may get well and not only get well, live. See, some people get well, but they don't live. And some people... Live and they are not well. You got to think about that. How many people you know that are alive, but they're not well. Right. And we got to have a will to live. When we talk about living, we're talking about the God kind of living. Right. So he wants his daughter to have a chance at living. And verse 24 says, and he went off with him. Notice Jesus didn't say no. Yeah, people, well, I don't know if God want to heal me. He just said he went off with the man. He didn't get into any theology about it. He didn't get into any questions. You know, well, why should I come and see your daughter? And who are you? You know, do you have a right to come to speak to me? You know, people make it hard to come to God to get what they need. But the Bible says, you see, the willingness of God. He asked out of desperation, said, my daughter's about to die. Can you come lay your hands on me? And I love this. Listen, the Bible says he went with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want you to catch that. There's something anointed about that. He went with the guy, knowing that the guy's request that he made of him was his most desperate need. Jesus went with him. Jesus cares about your desperateness. No matter how desperate you get, he cares about you. If he went with this guy, and he's a city official, he'll go with you. Watch. So he's coming off of the water, the beach, and area. He's following this guy. This guy's made this request. In verse 24 again, and he went off with him. And a great multitude was following him and pressing on him. So sometimes when God's on his way to deal with you, there's so much stuff pressing on his power and on the things that he's doing. And sometimes you wonder, why is it always a delay? Remember, Jesus went with him. and He was on his way. Right. And then a great multitude followed him and was pressing upon him. God is a multitasker. I want you to know that he's a multitasker. So while he was answering the prayer of Jarius, he's moving to go and do what Jarius asked. The multitude placed the demand on him. But God's a multitasker. In other words, he's not too busy for you, Gaines, and me, or Melvin, or moms. He's a multitasker. What he's doing for you, he's already getting ready to do for him, and he's got moms in mind. So just know that if you're feeling something today, just know God's a multitasker. I can walk out of here today and say, my God is a multitasker. He was doing things on a level that nobody can do it. He's meeting needs everywhere at the same time. So listen. 24 again. And he went off with him and a multitude was following him and pressing on him. Now watch this. You guys have heard this story a thousand times. But listen again. And a woman who had a hemorrhage or an issue of blood for 12 years. Say 12 years. 12 years. We've been had things happen to us for a long time. Chronic. They call that chronic illnesses or chronic situations. It just keeps on reoccurring. 12 years. Do you know 12 years is the whole sum total of a child entering to school, getting to the 12th grade a senior and graduating? She's had an issue for the whole term of you going to grade school and finishing to the 12th grade she had an issue or a hemorrhage of blood i mean she was bleeding that long and it's for us to have these chronic illnesses these things that are happening to us man lord it's been a long time god is showing you that even though things have been a long time i'm going to show you what i'll do for long-term illnesses Amen. like i told you earlier you have a problem with healing you're going to have a problem with god because he gives this story to us to learn and to glean from so this woman had this this hemorrhage for 12 years And verse 26 and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. Nothing's more insulting than to go to the best of doctors and to take everything that you have liquidate it, so you can rid yourself of this illness that you have with the hopes that you could be healed. 12 long years, she endured the promise, the hope that she would get healed by the best of physicians that were available. The Bible says that she did this, spent all that she had means now she's poor. Not only she's sick, she's poor because she spent all that she had. She's at the end of herself, but she's at the beginning of God. She's at the end of herself, but she's come to the beginning of God. Sometimes you will expend everything you have and know, and you'll come to the end of yourself to where there's nothing else to do. No more to spend nowhere. You can turn to she's desperate at this point. She's poor, desperate and still ill and bleeding. I don't know anybody with that condition right now, but that's a pretty bad condition. But watch what happens. Remember, he's on his way to Jarius's house. He's already got stuff on his heart and mind. (laughs) So he's on his way. Jarius said, come here. My daughter's getting ready to die. Now you got people pressing them. And you know, when you're in one of these trucks taking you to the hospital, time is of the essence. I mean, five seconds could be the difference between living and dying. And that's why, I don't know for the life of me why people don't get out of the way when they see a siren. I'm sitting down here street and i see a sign going on, man. Either stop, move to the side, get out of the way. I'm sure you've been told somebody's in need. These ambulances are trying to get through to get to people to the hospital. And you always see three or four people in the way. But time is of the essence. And so here's Jarius. You can only imagine the angst he was feeling. Because he's with Jesus and all these people. He probably wanted to say, people, get back. He's on his way to my house. My daughter's about to die. Stop. Everybody, move. You didn't hear any record of that. But you know that's how you feel. Imagine your wife or your baby or your child and all those people are just on the person that's taking your child to the place to get help. You can only imagine what this guy felt. But see, but if your faith is in God, if your faith is in God, it doesn't matter. We read another account. When they asked Jesus to come and heal somebody, and the man died. His name was Lazarus. Yeah. And when he got there, they said, Oh, Jesus, if you'd have got here a little early, yeah. he would have lived. Yeah. He said, you know, he's died now, and Jesus said, Where have you laid him? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, he stinks by him. where have you laid him? was the question. Mm-hmm. Lord, he's over here. And Jesus walks on there, and Mary's like, I know we'll see him again, Lord, in the resurrection. He said, Woman. Come on, Mary. I come on am the resurrection. You don't have to wait any longer. (laughs) The resurrection is here. Move the stone. Stone rolls back. Time was of them. Jesus stayed another day or two. We got the man died. Lazarus, come come forth. Lazarus. He's walking. That's where we got the mummy stuff from. He's wrapped up. That's called grave clothes. They wrapped you up. The reason Jesus said these next things, he says, loose him. Take that stuff off of him because he has no need of them anymore. He's alive and let him go. Take the grave clothes off. See, some of the folks get saved and still got grave clothes on. Need to be loosed. You walk around and you smelleth and you stinketh of death. Because you haven't been loosed and let go of all traditions, problems, unforgiveness, and issues. Those are all grave clothes. And that's why you got to come to church and be taught. So every time you get taught something, another layer of grave clothes just come off. Just keep coming off. Pretty soon you get loose and let go and can't nobody stir you up. But here's this man. He's on his way. Jesus was the only ambulance that he knew. And the crowd slowed him down. And a woman sitting here with the issue of blood lets you know God cares about everything at the same time everywhere. I thank God for that. Listen. So the situation was rough. The woman was poor. She was hurting. Everything got worse. Verse 27. And after hearing about Jesus. Think about that. After hearing about Jesus, meaning, you know, it spread across the town, the things that Jesus was doing. And it says... After hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him, and touched his cloak. Didn't say that she asked Jesus for anything. He said she came in. She heard about him. She got in the midst of the crowd, and she weaved through the crowd. She had an issue of blood, which she knew the law of Moses said not to be out. You were unclean with issue of blood. But she figured she had went for broke, and she was lost. She was hurt. What else? She was already dying in her mind. She went through the crowd. And she grabbed hold of the cloak. This is where people get the idea of prayer cloths from. Not that the Bible intended for them to go get pieces of cloth and anoint it and have it thrown on people. Where Paul had aprons and handkerchiefs and they get these ideas, they can do that. Like there's power in the garment. You know, there's power in the garment, all right. The power was wearing the garment. That's what the power was. The power was wearing the garment. And Jesus' anointing was throughout everything that he was and everything that he had on. But it was this woman's faith that made a demand on the power of God. And I want you to just see how it unfolds, even though I know you read it and you probably can teach it and all this stuff. But listen at it in the context of what I'm sharing with you now. The presence of God was there to meet her faith and the demand that she had. And the presence of God is here to meet your faith. And a demand that you have you just got to reach out amidst all of the distractions and all of the multitude of people and you got to grab hold of god in the midst of everybody and you got to make it personal this has got to become personal she after a while didn't care about what people thought about her anymore you have to not care about what people think and you shouldn't care about what people think anyway because they keep changing their thinking they don't think the same things about you that used to think they got new stuff to think about you. So don't care about what people think about you. Get yourself in the midst of all the stuff and get your hand close to the power and the presence of God so that the release of God's anointing could meet your faith and deliver you. She had nothing to lose 12 years and she got worse and she was busted. No more money. She had nothing to lose. So watch this. And we ain't even got to Jairus yet. We're on our way to Jairus's house. And all of this is going on. So verse 27, after hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. Now, here's the mindset. Verse 28, for she thought. You see that? For she thought. This is the action that provoked her to do what she did. For she thought, if I... Just touch his garments. I will get healed. Did you see anything in here yet about her asking God for anything? She heard about Jesus. She recognized that he was healing people. He was delivering people. He was casting demons out. She thought to herself, thought to her, just inward. See, sometimes your thoughts are very powerful. You sit in a place where you're at in your poverty, in your sickness, in your disease, in your pain. Your thinking gets wrong sometimes. But she thought that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she said, I know I'll be healed. How would she know that? She'd been through all this other stuff. How would she know this time? See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What had she been hearing? The word of God all this time. All the acts of Jesus, the things that he'd been doing. She hadn't heard anything about these physicians and what they've been doing. They're just physicians. She figured she'd go there and get her herbs, her medicine, and her, all of the stuff that they did, and they maxed out on all they could do to help her. Nothing wrong with that. They did what they could. But she heard about Jesus, and she thought, "People, we got to start thinking that God is with us, and that God will, that God loves us, and that God will do what He says He'll do." Amen. When Jairus said, "Will you come and heal my daughter?" Jesus went with him. He didn't say, "Well, I'm gonna go ask Jesus. I don't know if He's gonna come, but I'm gonna ask Him anyway." I'm going to see my daughter's about to die. I'm going to see. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. He went to Jesus hoping and knowing that Jesus would do something because of all that he heard. Now, all that she heard, she thought enough of it that if I could just touch his garment, if I could just touch his garment, she reached out and touched it. Listen, this is so rich. I want you to catch it. She says, I shall get well. I shall get well." Can you make a decision that when you trust God, that he'll do what you ask him? She said, but then she didn't talk to anybody. She didn't ask him about what you think. You think if I go touch him, you think this happened, you think he'll heal me? She said, I know if I touch his garment, I will get get well. I mean, I, I can't argue with that. That's what's written. We can try to psychoanalyze it, but I can't argue with that. This was her personal experience. She got personal with Jesus. So listen, and immediately, verse 29, and immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. It says immediately. She touched the garment after she thought and made that declaration that I will get well. She touched it, and it said immediately the flow of her blood dried up. Now, who would know that better than her? For 12 years, not to be gross. But she had to keep cleaning herself and changing stuff because she was bleeding for 12 years. Don't you think after 12 years when something happens and changes, she realized that she didn't have to do that anymore? The Bible says she felt within herself immediately that the blood had dried up. You can only imagine the condition this woman in. She probably smelled. It was unclean. But immediately she went to Jesus, who Moses wrote the law about people being unclean and not coming out in public. But she went to the law of the laws. (laughs) She went to a greater than Moses. (laughs) She went to the superseding element of Moses where Moses got all of what he got from, got it from the word. The word was there. I love it when the word shows up. Jesus is the manifest word of God. She went to the right source this time. It may have took her 12 years. It may have been worth spending everything that she had. It may have been the thing that made her realize that after she'd done all she knew to do and trusted on all she knew who to trust in, that she had to give it all up. and She got to get to the one that she should have been trusting in the first place. But listen, this is how important it is that the gospel be preached. Because if the gospel's never preached, people will never know. Still haven't got to Jarius yet. Our God is a multitasker. So I love this piece here in verse 29. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Now watch this. This is where it gets real nice. In verse 30 and also immediately Jesus perceiving in himself Watch this, that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. So Jesus is on his way to Jairus. He had power for Jairus, but somebody made a demand on that power that he had for Jairus. And Jesus, like she felt within herself, Jesus felt within himself that power had left his body and went somewhere. I want you to think about that. The power of God that was in Jesus Mm -hmm. left his body and he was aware of it. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine all these people around him. Everybody's pushing and shoving. And all of a sudden, the change was that a woman was healed in the midst of all the commotion. And Jesus knew that power had been released from his body and it went somewhere. So quite naturally, Jesus wanted to know. Who did this? Who will be bold enough to make a demand on the power of God and let it go forth and God acknowledge it? Watch. And immediately, verse 30, Jesus perceived in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? (laughs) Imagine that. who touched my garments. I don't even know if you can answer that question. You're in the middle of a crowd of people. I've been to Del Mar Fair. I've been around the food booth and everybody's standing there. Just hundreds and thousands of people around. People are bumping into you everywhere. I don't ever say when somebody touches me, who bumped me? Who touched me? Who did that? I expect that I'm going to be in a crowd. Somebody's going to be touching on me. But the difference was something left Jesus to go get something done. (laughs) And that's why he wanted to know where did it go? Watch this. This question is more for us than it was for Jesus. Watch this. Who touched my garment? Verse 31. And his disciples, the sharp ones, the witty ones, the smart ones. Those who always have an answer for the Lord's question. Right. Everybody just We're going to coach Jesus. Now we're going to make some sense for Jesus because we know you're on your way to Jairus. So let us make sense for your Lord. Who touched my garments? Look at the disciples around now. Watch. (laughs) Verse 31. And the disciples said to him, you see the multitude pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? I would call that getting smart. I would call that kind of, you know, just kind of a little disrespectful because you're talking to Jesus. Lord, you see everybody around you. Come on now. That's the way we say it today. Come on, y'all. Come on now. Really? Really? you going to ask that question, who touched me? Lord, everybody's touching you. <laughs> now, but Jesus said, I'm going to clear this up with y'all since y'all think you know what you're talking. I mean, let me clear it up with you. This is a level you haven't been yet. See, y'all been with me touching me all day, but ain't nothing like this ever happened for you from me. <laughs> Listen, y'all. Disciples, again, they're funny. They're hilarious. They're us. And his disciples said to him, you see the multitude pressing in on you. And you say, who touched me? Verse 32. And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. So you can imagine the crowds there. Disciples are trying to clear it up for Jesus. And Jesus turns around. And there she is. She's on the ground. Multitudes around her. She's looking up at him. No more affliction. Dried blood just dried up. And she's looking at Jesus and he's looking at her. Verse 33. But the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And look at what happened in verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. On his way to Jairus. God's running the universe. He's running the Andromeda. He's running the known and unknown. It's okay to stop him every now and then and ask for something. He is Lord of everything known and he's Lord of everything unknown. Is there anything too hard for God? No. She was in fear and trembling because of the awesome reverential respect that came upon her when Jesus turned around and said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Not how much she asked, not how much she begged, not how much she cried. He says, your faith, your trust in clinging to me and reaching out and touching my garment has made you well. We can learn from this story. And we don't have to be religious when we come to God. You don't got to go to church to get God. You can get to a place in your walk to where you read these stories and get inspired by these stories and say to yourself, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. Because our God is no respect of persons. And the way he manifests himself is through showing compassion and love for people. But here's a situation Where Jesus was on his way to do something else and the woman made a demand on his power and the power of God released itself to her and she was healed without having a conversation with him. I know this is hard for us to believe because we keep looking at the circumstances. We keep looking at our situation and nothing has changed for 12 years. Nothing changed for her because she never quit. They always say when I was in sales, you know, you know, quitters never win. And winners never quit. You got to think about the mentality that you got to have when you're desperate. That when you know that God is able, and not only is he able, he's willing. He said to Jairus, Jairus said, can you come? He went with him. There was no hesitance for Jesus. And on his way, somebody makes a demand on his presence, and they get healed along the way. That's just like our God. That's just like our God. That's a daily double right there. Just like our God. Watch this. So she was afraid, man. She was just like, man. Verse 35. And while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue's official saying, listen, the word was coming to him. Your daughter has died. Now it's gotten worse. She was at the point of death. But now Jesus got held up with this woman and talking to this woman. Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Isn't that what religion would do? Don't bother them. They're dead. Let's prepare the arrangements. But Jesus made a promise. The man said, (laughs) the man said, will you come and heal my daughter? She's at the point of death. Jesus went with him. So she died. So it doesn't matter how much worse it gets when you're with God. She died. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Let it go, Jarius. She's dead now. Your life is over now. God is with you. God is with you. Some of the things you think died may have died in the natural, but they didn't get the final say-so from the spirit. I had a plant one time in my house, and this little plant was beautiful when I got it. And obviously my thumb wasn't green. (laughs) The plant started having problems. You know, when you pick a plant up and the leaves just come out, they just come out the stalk of the plant. I said, oh, this plant's overwatered. The root system is gone. It's dead. And it dried up. And one day, I sat it outside and just left it out there. It was just gone. I said, I'm going to start putting some water in this plant again. And I started putting water in the plant a little bit at a time. Long story short, that plant ended up being about seven foot tall, flourishing green, because something in its root system was not dead. Something in your root system. Let me say root. Not root. Root. Your root system is still alive, still calling on God. It just needs a touch from the master. I poured that water on that little plant. That thing grew up. The stock got big. It was one of the big corn plants. It just flourished. And God taught me something through that. He said, though things look dead, there is always a little bit of life that's enough. All you need is just enough life, and it'll come back. Watch this. So he's there. The girls died now. Most people would stop. Jesus, it's, it's over now. You're talking to Jesus now. It's over. It ain't ever over with Jesus. If you got Jesus in your life, it's not over. I'm going to say it again. If you got Jesus in your life, it's not over. Oh, so thirty five again. And while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue officials, saying, oh, your daughter's dead. Why troubled the teacher? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, watch this. Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. You know why Jesus said only believe? Because at those points, when the circumstances are that heavy on you, I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen to somebody? They die. Jesus tell him, don't be afraid. He says this. This is a commandment now. Only believe believe Amen. i don't want you to do anything else but believe you see and i know jesus told him that because when he asked jesus my daughter's at the point of death will you come and lay your hands on her jesus is a man of his word and he knew that he was going to finish what he started and he says look only believe because i'm going to go do exactly what i said i'm going to lay my hands on her i going to finish what i said to you i know somebody's made a demand on my power and somebody's been healed, and you're probably thinking right now, oh, wow, now this woman's well and my daughter's dead. Only believe. Don't let nothing come to your mind to speak differently than what you started out asking for. Did you hear what I just said? Don't let anything come to your mind to help you to think differently of what you've been asking for. If you've been asking for something, only believe. Nothing else is required. I'm in an only believe state right now. I am in an only believe state right now. There's so many things coming to my head and to my mind. And I hear God saying to me through this passage, Pastor Ralph, only believe. There's no room for nothing else. If you want to see me do a work for you, only believe. Don't carry nothing with you, but you believing me and trusting me. And I say, yes, Lord. Right now, I say, yes, Lord. I believe you. I trust in you. I reconfirm what we talked about in the beginning, and I believe. Watch this. So he's with Jesus, and Jesus gives him that directive, right? A lot has happened since then. So, verse 37, and he allowed no one to follow with him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. Sometimes you can't let everybody come when you want stuff like this. There's some things that you got that's big that you've been nurturing, you've been praying for. You can't bring everybody along. There were other people there as crowds following. He let three people come. You got to find the people that's going to support you to help you only believe. If you got anything else to say to me other than me trusting God, I can't take you with me because what I'm going to need is full faith and confidence in God, and I'm going to need you to remind me of what I've asked God for and to keep my faith and to keep my trust and only believe. I don't need anybody else. Well, Pastor, what do you think it is? I don't need to know what I think it is. Well, Pastor, why is it taking? I don't need to know why it's taking so long. I don't need to know anything else. I need to only believe. And I pray the Holy Spirit makes this clear to you that the only thing that's going to get something done in your desperate need is only believing and trusting God. In verse 38. And they came to the house of the synagogue and the official and he beheld a commotion. Right? What is a commotion? It's just a bunch of excitement, a bunch of crying and belly aching and you know people, Woo! I know that sounds crazy, but that's what pe- what do people do when people die? When they don't have faith in God, they lose hope and everything is going. Because ah, 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 you ain't been living right with that person. Yeah, we sad to see our loved ones go. But it ain't about you right now. Jesus saw the commotion. Remember, life met death in the eye. But people who could not only believe made a commotion. So he told this man only believe because he knew what he was walking upon. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the wailing. Don't look at the crying. Don't look at the faithless of the people. Only believe. You better keep them doubters out of your hot spots. Listen. Look at how Jesus looks at this thing. Verse 38. And they came to the house of the synagogue official and he beheld a commotion and the people loudly weeping and wailing, right? As though there was no hope. And verse 39, and entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something about Jesus. She was asleep. Because life was standing in front of her. Had Jesus not been there, she would have been dead. See, when you got God Almighty standing in front of your death, He decides whether you live or die. And Jesus said at this time, She's not dead, she only sleeps. She just needs a little touch from the Son of God. See, the things you think are dead, they only sleep. It takes a word from God to change and redirect a person's life. He made a promise, a verbal commitment to Jairus. Jairus asked him, would you come and lay hands on my daughter? She's at the point of death. Jesus was going to finish what he committed to doing. So he said, why are you guys making a commotion? What are you doing? Why are you screaming and hollering in here? The girl is just asleep. Now, you can only imagine what's going to happen now. (laughs) Verse 40. And they began laughing at him. But putting them all out after the laughter. Get out. (laughs) Jesus put them out. Sometimes you have to be righteously indignant. And you got to put away the folly of the devil. Because when they laughed at Jesus, that was Satan laughing through them. And Jesus said, get out. And I can see them. <laughs> ah, he's crazy. He thinks she's like, girl, been dead. That's what people do. People tell you that. They'll talk about you and your hurt and your pain. They'll act like they're supporting you and they'll talk about you. Yeah. Jesus put them out. They didn't deserve to see what was about to happen. Verse 40, and they began laughing at him, but putting them all out, he took Look at this, along the child's father, brought him close, and the mother, listen, his own companion, so he had a few people that were putting their hope and trust in Jesus, and entered the room where she was. Can you imagine this? He took the personal mother, father, his companions, ran the people out, went into the place where she was supposed to be dead, and everybody's gone. Remember, he told the man, only believe. Nothing has changed because the people laughed. Nothing had changed because the girl had died. Nothing had changed because Jesus took a little more time getting there. He told this man only believe. This should be a lesson for us. Watch this? Verse 41 and taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, which is, Translated, it means, little girl, I say to you, arise. (laughs) Talitha kum. Little girl, get up. (sighs) She's laying just prostrate, as though she's dead. Talitha kum, the king of kings and the lord of lords. The glory of God was in the room. Talitha kum. Though she sleep, she hears the voice of God. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Though she sleeps, she hears the voice of God. Mm-hmm. She was still conscious to the voice of God. Talitha come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or Mark it something else. Little girl, arise. And here's another word. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Verse forty-two. And immediately, watch this, y'all. Mm-hmm. The girl rose and began to walk. Now, he put the laughers out. He put the wailers out. He squashed the bad news that she died. He took care of the woman with the issue of blood, and he answered a man's prayer. In 42, he immediately the little girl arose and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. Can you imagine that? 12-year-old girl, woman had an issue for 12 years. (laughs) God's working numbers today. I'm telling you, man, look, they were completely astounded. I don't know about you, but I want to be astounded by God. Please, Lord, astound me. Do what you did when you did what you did to them. (laughs) Amen? Amen. I want to see the same thing. I want to see every situation in all of our lives. I want to have Jesus say what he said to her to bring life to her. In verse 43, in closing, and he gave them strict orders, strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given to her to eat. You imagine that? Reprimand. Don't you go out here and tell anybody. that don't deserve to hear what God has done. He's done it for you. And why he had to give her something to eat and left. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.